Mel Gibson, besides the fact that he is an Academy-level director and he's made some of the more iconic films in history and an Academy Award winner and his movies have won Best Picture and all that kind of stuff, it's also become kind of wacky to see. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of... I'll tell you what, though. I very much liked him in that Expendables where he was the bad guy in the Expendables. I actually oh, I really liked it. him as the bad guy in the Expendables. I thought he was great in that, but... A trailer came out. Now, I had heard about this movie a while ago called Fat Man. I had heard about this, that he was going to play like a hardcore Santa. And Walton Goggins, who I love. Everyone does. Walton Goggins was going to play, uh, play a hitman hired by a disgruntled kid who didn't like that he got a piece of coal. And it's a rich kid who hires Walton Goggins as a hitman to go and kill Santa. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds weird. I was, but I was thinking comedy. I'm thinking blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking it's going to be this wacky sort of thing. Like Bad Santa. Like, kind of like Bad Santa in a way, right? So I go over and watch this thing. And I'm not going to lie to you. I am incredibly intrigued. I am incredibly intrigued uh, over this movie. And what? first of all, there's this scene in, in the trailer where Walton Goggins is standing in the middle of a snowy field and he's screaming, he's got a gun, he's screaming, I've come for your head, fat man! And then it cuts to this grizzled-looking, like this real grizzled-looking Mel Gibson goes, you think you're the first? And it's like, oh my God! And it turns out he's like a contract assassin for the U.S. military. Like, not Goggins, Santa, because he's fallen on hard times. So to make ends meet, keep the elves working, he's a contract killer for like the... I'm telling you what, you could have told me everything about this trailer, Aaron. You could have told me everything about it. It still would not have prepared me for this. I have no idea if this is going to be one of the worst films in cinematic history <laughs> or if it's going to be one of the absolute best films in cinematic history. I have no idea which way this is going to go, but I am completely intrigued. It looks super low budget, too. It looks super low budget. They filmed it all up in some of my old stomping grounds around Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but it looks super low budget, which only adds to my intrigue about it. I mean, just when it's opening up, oh, some kids in the woods with a deer rifle, put two in the sled and one in me. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this movie? So again, I'm not saying this is going to be awesome. This could be the absolute worst thing I've ever seen. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I was the least intrigued. Aaron, you had a chance to see this trailer for <laughs> Fat Man. What did you think about it? I was honestly so confused. I, I was watching it and, and same same thing. I kept expecting it to be funny, but then I was like, I don't know what genre this film is supposed to be. Um, I mean, it's almost kind of got a John Wick quality to it, which is very strange. Um, it's also got a little bit of the fugitive feel as far as the, you know those exterior shots. Um, but yeah, I agreed. Walter Goggin, I absolutely love him. Um, I first... I first realized who he was or uh, he was turned onto my radar in um, the, the, oh gosh, I'm blanking on it. The show with John Goodman on HBO. Um, when they're playing the, the they're in the government? Is that the way you're No, about? a recent show, The Holy Somebody. Can't remember. Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, he, he's great in that show. I'll tweet about it later. And, um, but yeah, this entire trailer, I kept watching it going, am I laughing? Am I supposed to laugh? Am I scared? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I think that uh, Mel Gibson does grizzled and crazy quite well. Um, 
maybe a little, you know, art imitating, well. <laughs> art imitating life a little bit. Maybe, who knows? But uh, yes, I will. I think that intrigued is the appropriate way to phrase it, um, because I will definitely watch this, but I won't. I wouldn't say that I would run out to my local drive in to check it out because I'm just a little on the fence. And I also don't I, I kind of need to laugh right now. I'm really looking forward to some comedies and some escapism. Well, and while this is certainly escapism, I think that uh, it, it might be just be a little too emotional I, I i need a little i need a little fun santa here's the thing i, I think sometimes you'd say okay you don't want to take it too seriously because you also want to have some laughs right i this is just i haven't seen the movie so this is just my guess the impression i got from this trailer is that they are taking themselves so, so seriously, seriously that it's funny funny yeah you know and that's at least that's the impression. well and again, also with the casting of walter goggin yes because he's just unintentionally funny, uh, intentionally, unintentionally funny. Like he doesn't go for the laughs, but he's just so inherently enjoyable to watch that you can't help but have fun. I first noticed Goggins in one of my all time favorite shows, Sons of Anarchy, because he, okay. he play, I, I can't remember if he just if he plays a drag queen or a transgendered character, but it, it was just like. This dude is amazing, and that was he must have come on in a later season. It, he was he was across several, a couple of seasons. It was like a minor character, and then they he kind of became a recurring character. He wasn't a regular cast member, but he would definitely be a recurring character. And then him and Tiggy end up together at the end, which is everybody gets a, this warm feeling about the mighty gemstones. That's what it is. Yes, mighty gemstones. Well said. I knew All I'd right. get there. Question is, guys, have you had a chance to see this new Mel Gibson trailer for The Fat Man? I was unprepared for it. I, I again, I don't know if this is going to be the worst film in cinematic history or the best film in cinematic history, but you got to go see the trailer. What did you think about it? Jump into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. Another thing off the top that I want us to get to here, and that is this. Now, there were some reports going around. Of course, within the state of things that we live in right now movies are getting delayed all the time and things are getting pushed and we've seen a couple of examples of higher profile films that made the jump over to streaming mulan one case in point of course we talked ad nauseum about the mulan situation yesterday which has actually turned out to be a bit of a disaster and anyway some reports started going around yesterday maybe about 48 hours ago that wonder woman was going to be going straight to streaming. That come December 25th, they would release Wonder Woman in some theaters, but it was also gonna go straight to streaming. Now this wasn't on any of the predominant outlets, like Variety wasn't reporting this, The Hollywood Reporter was not reporting this, The Rap was not reporting this, Deadline was not reporting this, but it did get birth on one or two sites and it started making its way around like wildfire. I personally didn't believe it because we weren't seeing that on any of the significant sites, but it was started going around. So what happened is Patty Jenkins actually herself saw that. Now you got to remember if you go all the way back to DC fandom, they spoke very directly about Wonder Woman 84 is a theatrical movie. It's a theatrical movie. And even the uh, vice president of Warner Brothers, we talked about on the show a number of weeks ago saying, no, cannot imagine us ever putting Wonder Woman on streaming before a, you know, a proper theatrical release and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, things have been changing day by day during the pandemic. What was impossible three days ago becomes possible today. 
So it got a lot of people's attention when this rumor started going around. But just to put it to bed, Patty Jenkins came out and stomped on it yesterday on her Twitter, where she said, direct to streaming is not even being discussed. Like, it's not even a topic of conversation with them. Direct to streaming is not even being discussed. We are still 100% behind the theatrical experience for Wonder Woman 84 and supporting our beloved theater business. So, look, obviously this puts that to rest. This, this puts that rumor to rest. We are not going to see Wonder Woman 84 going direct to streaming. Or will we? I mean, like I just said, there can be something that is absolute truth right now. And then as circumstances evolve and change, maybe that changes. But at least we can say, as of right now, the rumor is completely false. Patty Jenkins come out and said, nope, we're not even talking about streaming. So that's a no bueno. We're not going to be doing that, period, done. And really, it's something we all should have known looking at the Mulan experiment. With Disney trying to take this major tentpole film and put it on a direct-to-streaming thing to try it out, had a number of controversies surrounding it as well, but that turned out to be a financial disaster for them. And now they're doing some pretty stupid things to try to make up for that financial disaster. But we talked about that yesterday. So anyway, Aaron, when you hear this rumor, I mean, you can totally understand why when a rumor like this comes out, it at least appears like you've got to give it some consideration because of the reality of what the pandemic has done theatrically. Mm -hmm. Why do you think so many people took this one seriously and do you think Patty Jenkins, the director of the film, coming out to address it, do you think that puts it to bed or do you think people are still going to be talking about this? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that the fact that people are speculating that it's going to be released on streaming is actually just showing how much enthusiasm there is for this movie. That's that true. people want to see this movie as soon as possible. And so I think that, um, you know, you speak it into existence, so uh, so to say. Um and with the idea of, oh, maybe if we keep talking about how this is going to come out on streaming, then the studio or the powers that be will get so excited about the, you know, how many people want to see this movie as soon as possible. They'll just go ahead and do it. That being said, I, I agree with you. The Mulan experiment has taught a lot of people a lot of lessons as well as Tenet, you know, coming out in theaters and not doing as well as people were hoping to do the you know realizing that people are not going back to the theaters in the way that maybe some had hoped and i for one am happy that they are sticking with their their theatrical release and not releasing it too soon yes i want to see wonder woman 84 absolutely if it were streaming tomorrow i would 100 percent pay the 30 dollars or whatever they would want to charge because i do want to see this film very much however i appreciate the fact that they're that they're going with the int original intent of the film which was to be seen on a screen and um and, and i'm glad that patty jenkins shut it down i don't think that that's something that's going to change though i i think that if we are still in the state that we are in right now if we are here a year from now god forbid then that might be a different discussion but i don't i don't see that happening and so i i think that the rumors are just that wishful thinking but again that go just goes to show you how much enthusiasm there is for this film and how many people want to see it yesterday yeah and and count me as one of them 
Like, Same. I, like, as long as Patty Jenkins is involved in doing it, I'm all on board. Yep. And this is great. But yeah, this is going to be, uh, unless something massively changes or shifts, this is not a movie that they're going to put out, especially after seeing what happened with Disney and Mulan. That mm-hmm. like, if there was any thought, and they've always said all along there wasn't, but if there had been any thought, I think those thoughts are done. Yeah, Mulan could have changed the entire industry. Yeah. If Mulan had done really well, I think that as terrified as the film and as the theater business is right now it would have been obliterated it would have changed everything you would have seen every studio starting to shifting their movies but it is what it is but again guys this is a changing situation right the pandemic is causing things to wrap what was absolutely going to happen a few days ago absolutely isn't today what was impossible for is possible now so let's keep our eyes on it but as of right now wonder woman is not going straight to streaming in any way shape or form all right guys With that down, let's talk about one more thing off the top, and that is this. Speaking of movies I'm really looking forward to, Thor Love and Thunder. I, first of all, I you guys know I think Thor, the first one directed by the great Kenneth Branagh, I think is the second most underrated comic book film of all time, only behind Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Man of Steel is by far the most underrated comic book film of all time. I think the second most underrated comic book film of all time is Kenneth Branagh's Thor. And then Taika Waititi came into the picture with Thor Ragnarok. Relentlessly entertaining. A relentlessly entertaining film that I absolutely adored. And then he goes on and does Jojo Rabbit. And wins an Academy Award for it. And gets that movie nominated for Best Picture. That movie was phenomenal. I, I like. Okay. I cannot believe. I know. I knew Taika Waititi was funny, but I didn't know that he could bring such heavy, serious issues and not belittle. Sometimes when you try to work in humor into heavy issues, you actually we see a lot of even very talented writers end up belittling the seriousness of an issue. Yeah, he was able to tackle Nazi Germany and children being caught up in that. And not once belittle this, the heaviness of that while at the same time making a smile. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And so in the light of that, the announcement that he's going to be doing Thor Love and Thunder is, is crazy. Now, one of the things that most people have been talking about is, of course, the fact that Natalie Portman, who we all thought was gone from this franchise, reappears and she's going to be a key, key role. We know because... Taika Waititi got down on one knee at Comic-Con and handed her Mjolnir, so she takes Mjolnir. Well, now, a lot of people have been wondering, will they kind of follow the Mighty Thor comic line where where the character, Jane, actually takes possession of the hammer and kind of take on the powers of Thor? Will they go into the cancer storyline, which is kind of heavy? Will they go into that? Well, apparently the answer to all of that is yes, because Natalie Portman was being interviewed And she actually decided to share some things, whether she was supposed to share these things or not, I'm not sure. But this is what Natalie Portman said about the movie. I can't tell you that much. I'm really excited. I'm starting to train to get muscles. If there can be all these female superheroes, the more of them there are, uh, the better it is. I'm trying to think. It's based on the graphic novel of The Mighty Thor, which is a big checkmark for a lot of people. She's going through cancer treatment and is a superhero on the side a lot of the speculation in one fell swoop instantly becomes confirmed so they are going to base it on that now if you go into the story a little bit one of the interesting kind of twists of this is that she's going through cancer treatments in in the story but every time 
basically every time she takes on the Thor power and becomes super heroic, it digresses her cancer treatment, which means her health gets even worse. So she's got a choice to make. Okay, I can fly across the bay and save that little boy, but if I do, my cancer is going to get a little bit worse. And then she's got to go back. And so it's kind of interesting. I love the fact that today I have Aaron Cummings in studio. Because <laughs> um, who better to talk about cancer with? Because who better to talk about it's dealing true. with cancer treatments while battling on? But I mean, this is something. Look, we've seen in MCU movies Thor deal with the death of his father. Mm -hmm. We've seen him lose his eye. We've seen half in MCU movies, we've seen half of existence snapped. Mm -hmm. out of reality we've seen heavy things happen but there's in rob's words there's a verisimilitude there's a reality when you take an issue like an individual struggling with cancer mm -hmm. in the midst of that which would normally make me raise my eyebrow but again we're talking about taika watiti mm -hmm. who just dealt with you know nazi germany in the midst of all that aaron you would have a better perspective on this than anybody else I know. So when you hear about this story, is this risky for them to do? Is this bold? I mean, what do you think about this stuff that Natalie Portman's just shared? You know, um, I when I was diagnosed with HER2 positive breast cancer and immediately, because it was a very aggressive, HER2 positive is a very aggressive type of breast cancer, I immediately had to start chemo treatment. And you know, anyone, uh, I'm sort of now the welcome wagon for breast cancer <laughs> patients. Uh, I'm constantly getting phone calls and texts and tweets and everything. Oh my God, I was just diagnosed. And, um, you know, you really get an education. You get um, immediately thrust into uh, mi microbiology and kinesiology and nutrition, I mean, everything and words that you could never have imagined uh, being able to pronounce become, you know, start rattling off the tongue. And one of the things that I realized uh, once I got involved in the world of cancer is that there are there are so many different types and different types of treatment. And the word cancer just kind of becomes this bubble. What I would like for them to explore is actually going into what type of cancer does she have and what is the treatment that she's getting that is being reversed because you know breast cancer is so vastly different from lung cancer and the way that they're treated is so completely different and so um I, I think that this is a great opportunity to also educate people. And Taika Waititi is really, he, he does a beautiful job of educating people in his storytelling without hitting them over the head with it. And so I'm not saying I want this to be, you know, a, a science lesson for everyone. I just mean maybe opening the door a little bit to show some of the reality and, and, and some of the um, you know, just what people going through when when we say cancer treatment, are we going to actually see her, you know, getting chemo infusions? Um, is she even getting chemo infusions or is she getting chemo injections like my husband did when he went through cancer? Yeah, I know. It's a crazy story. Um, and so I, I'd like for them to explore that. But one of the things that I think about when, you know, well, that came up to my that came to mind when you were talking about Taika Waititi and his ability to showcase really painful things in a unique way is, I won't say anything more than this, but in Jojo Rabbit, the shoes. 
Oh yeah. Well, the shoe scene is one. I, I will. All, all you'll ever have to do the rest of my life just say shoe scene and shoe. I'll have an emotional response. But also, not even it, it was also the the little the little Easter eggs that he planted prior to that, where we saw her dancing just her shoes, where we saw her walking along the the wall just the shoes. He planted those seeds so that the payoff was such a huge emotional hit. And um, with something like cancer that has affected everyone, I mean, there, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine a single person that in some way has not been affected by cancer, whether it's themselves or someone that they love or even just someone that they know. Um, and you know, we have dealt with so much loss this year as a, you know, a, on on a global scale that. Um, I think without having to get into what we've dealt with this year, you know, cancer continues to rage on. We just lost the legend Eddie Van Halen to cancer this year. And so um, I'm actually really excited that they're exploring this as someone who, you know, th this has dominated so much of my life. I I'm really excited about how they're he's going to explore it. I know he's going to do it with the, um, uh, the sensitivity that it requires, but also really kind of educating us in the process of that cancer is not just one disease it's many diseases i'm and i and that's what's weirdly exciting to me wow. and i know that people who've gone through you know when you talk to someone with cancer they're always like oh well well what kind of cancer oh what did you have for treatment like the specifics are the things that become more interesting not just the generic um so i'm looking forward to him and you know investigating this is not your moment, Joey. <laughs> she really wants your attention. Anyway, so yes, I, I'm I'm really excited about it. I think he's going to do a beautiful job, and in the hands of the um, incredible Natalie Portman, I, I'm, I'm I think from someone from a cancer patient herself, I I applaud this move. Yeah. Now, in case anybody's thinking about it. I don't think this is going to be like the main story. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. It's like, not going to be Thor cancer. Yeah, it's <laughs> Thor cancer. <laughs> There's a promotional campaign. You want to you be a marketing department? Oh, my God. How do we promote this? Thor. Right. But I mean, because Psycho ATD also said, still make no mistake about it. It is a Thor movie. It, it, it is going to be. Yeah. Cancer, but, but I just mean like, you know, you asked me from the perspective yeah, of someone with cancer, like just even that B or C storyline. Yes. I'm really intrigued by it, and I hope that unlike a lot of times when we've seen cancer portrayed as just this generic disease, I hope that they at least just, you know, give a little specifics. What kind of cancer and what specific treatment she's having. Right. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting that they're, they're doing that. And again, I think I would have been maybe a little bit skeptical about it. Had I not seen Jojo Rabbit, yeah, it's it seen Jojo Rabbit that made me go, okay, yeah, this is a guy who can do something like this. So it's interesting stuff. Question is, guys, what do you think about what Natalie Portman said? Now, how much they take from Mighty Thor and how much they leave on the pages there and then create something new? We're going to have to wait to find out, but at least now we've got a couple of details. What do you think about it? Is it a little bit too heavy for an MCU film? Do you think Taika Waititi, having seen Jojo Rabbit, will find a way to make it mix perfectly? Jump down to the comments section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. We've got one more main topic here to discuss today. And for that, we're going to go on over to our email. And we're going to take it from... This question comes to us from Preston Bell. And Preston Bell writes, Hey, John and Aaron. Hope today finds you well. Thank you so much, Preston. Hello. 
Not only are the Oscars happening in April, but they are also allowing for drive-in screenings to be eligible for Academy Awards as long as they were showing for at least seven days. How much do you think this will add to the low numbers, the low number of films competing this year? And do you think it will help the Oscars have some sort of no normalcy in the ceremonies? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, one of the big things going on, right? One of the big question marks I have, and, and it's been around for a while, but it's getting more intense as we're getting closer. What happens to the Oscars this year? The reality is we've all come to the realization that 2020 is an absolute garbage show and we've we, like most movies that we were going to get we aren't getting a lot of the, obviously a lot of the big blockbusters but even the more artistic smaller films that would have been able to be playing in theaters and things like that and get a, a larger audience of what they're getting not getting played there they're only getting seen at some very some very select and a very small segment of some film festivals nomad land is one of the ones that got some big play at tiff and, and others but it's a lot smaller. So the Academy, to their credit, they've been making some moves lately to try to adapt for this year. They started a few months ago by moving the Academy Awards a couple of months later and by saying instead of the deadline being December 31st of when you got to meet eligibility, you got two more months after that. So they've been trying to respond to make it. And their newest attempt to respond to this is by saying, okay, Normally we have these rules where you got to play in a theater for X number of days and normally drive-ins didn't count for those. Now they do. And it doesn't, I believe it doesn't just have to be LA and New York either, which right. normally has been one of the big things. Dallas, Denver. Exactly. So they're saying we're, we're going to make that. Again, I applaud them. Good attempt to try to widen this up to adapt to the current crisis that we have. I appreciate that. Does it make that big of a difference? Honestly, no, it, it doesn't make that big. Look, think of it this way. In Los Angeles, I think there are somewhere around 400 movie screens, mm -hmm. something along those lines. Like, like just the movie theater. I, I literally have within a 15-minute walk three theaters, the AMC 6, the AMC 8, and the AMC 16. Ooh, okay? It's a lot of theaters. Which means I literally have 30 screens within a 15-minute walk of where I live, right? I think there are five drive-ins. I think there are five screens in LA. Mm, wow. Like, you know, so really in the grand scheme of thing, as uh, grand scheme of things, will that actually make much of a difference? And I don't think it will, but it really transposes to what I think is the bigger problem. I know right now the Oscars are putting on a brave face. And I know they're saying we're we're going to have our ceremony in April or a hell if they move to May or they do whatever. I, I get it and I applaud that. I just don't think we're going to get an Oscars in 2021. And I'll go further than that. You think the whole show is going to be canceled? I think the whole thing will be canceled. Oh. Now, I don't know this. There's a difference between what you believe and what you know to be true. Yeah. I do not know that to be true, but I believe that. And I'll go one step further. They shouldn't have an Oscars this year. They absolutely 100% should not have an Oscars this year. And I will tell you why. There, there's two main reasons here. One, let's go with the slightly less important reason. Slightly less important reason number one. You will have, look, the Academy does not exist strictly for the Oscars. But it is, the Oscars is that one event per year that is the ability for the Academy to connect with the worldwide audience, right? It's the one time of year that they get to do that. 
there is going to be an absolute fundamental disconnect between what the Oscars are this year and the audience because the audience hasn't seen any of the movies this year. That's great that Nomadland played at TIFF. That's great. But how many people actually saw it at TIFF? Mm-hmm. How many people actually saw How many people are actually going to have, number one, the opportunity, and then when the opportunity is there somehow, some way, some shape, some form to see it, how many people actually take advantage of that one and do that? A lot more people see it when it's in the theaters and they get out to see it in the theaters and there becomes a connection. Every Oscar season as well, while we often criticize the Oscars that there's not enough representation of the big hit films and the big blockbusters, there still is some representation there every year. Joker or whatever, something that a lot of people have seen that connects the audience with the Oscar ceremonies going on that year. There simply will be no connection. Nobody's going to care about the Oscars this year. Why? Because for the most part, nobody's seen the movies that they're talking about. And sometimes that's the case anyway, but, but more so this year than ever. But I'll tell you the other reason why. And this is probably the more important reason to me. I think you totally diminish and, and I'm trying to use not too harsh of a word. So I'll just stick with diminish. You totally diminish the meaning of an Oscar this year. In a year where a good eight to nine months of the year, no films could come out in theaters. A lot of the films that would have been eligible this year got bumped out to the following year already. They're gone. It's almost as if any Oscar ceremony this year, you're going to have to have major asterisks besides like, hey, normally there's 500 eligible films in that category. This year there were 23 eligible films and so-and-so won the award. Yay. The Os- any Oscars you give out in April are meaningless. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, t- don't get me wrong. Is yeah. it kind of like Barry Bonds winning, like when there's an asterisk next to? Yeah, Barry <laughs> Bonds did all these summer runs. He was Bloody up on steroids. steroids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, there's a little bit. No, no, don't get me wrong. Any Academy members who have seen the documentary movie trailers, a love story, would still like to nominate me. I'll take it. <laughs> but, but I'm not. The I expert. was gonna say, like, this is actually a really Maybe great year. If you're chance. gonna, I mean, why the, why not? Maybe I should dive into this. You know what? Screw that. Go for it, Oscars. No, a hundred percent. You'd be crazy not to. Seriously, though, I, I think any Oscar given out this year, given out in, in April for the for the movies that came out in 2020, are going to be have absolutely no attention from the audience, and number two will be looked back upon by even uh, cinephiles and film historians as being an irrelevant year and one that you don't actually count. Mm. And I that's horrible. That's horrible. Some actor is going to win an acting academy, a supporting actor is going to win an acting academy award, but then for the rest of their lives, oh, oh, okay, sure. Oh, that's nice. That's nice that you got that one mm-hmm. didn't really count though, did it? And I just feel like while it would create a log jam going into say uh 2022, where you take whatever films were eligible from 2020, which is going to be a much smaller number than normal, It will create a logjam taking all those and saying they also qualify for the 2022 Academy Awards. It will make it more competitive. It will create a big logjam. Maybe somebody that might have won an Academy Award won't win it because there was just too many uh, other contenders competing and they just got etched out. That might be true, but I think it is by far the lesser of two evils. I think having an overcrowded uh, Oscars in 22 is much better than having a token Oscars in 2021. I, I just think they should move this. And I say this, Aaron, you know this, other than Christmas, 
Oscars is my favorite day of the year. I, I'm not exaggerating. There's Christmas and then there's Oscars. That's well, it. also, I think when you live in Los Angeles, like there is a buzz, you know, you can't go anywhere yeah. near Hollywood without, you know, your, your traffic's being diverted and you go, oh, right, the Oscars are coming. And, you know, there's there's flags everywhere with the little, uh, uh, with you know, little gold it's buddy also, on there. So let me ask you. It's a fun time. Let me ask you to be this in Los question. Angeles. Mm-hmm. Two, two part question here. Number one, I believe it's a very, it's a noble move, but do you think the move of including drive-ins as an eligibility marker will help, like tangibly help. And what do you think of the move of drive-ins in general? And then number two, do you think they will and should do an Oscars this April? How do you see it? Okay. Well, first of all, I applaud the embracing of drive-ins. When I heard this news, I was actually like, oh, you know what? I really should get into this drive-in thing because when Tom and I, I go, love driving. yeah, there's a drive-in in Cape Cod, and when Tom and I go to Cape Cod, we always go to the drive-in, and we see a double feature. It's like our favorite thing, and um, but. I have not yet this year gone to a drive-in. And so it kind of reminded me like, oh, wow, I should really take advantage of that to be able to see a new release in the drive-in right now during this very bizarre time. Um, So I I applaud the fact that they are trying to encourage um, the still having the theater experience. I applaud that. I think it's great. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think unless people are already um, someone who enjoys going to a drive-in i I just don't think that it's on the same on people's radar as much most people don't eat like i love going to a drive-in and i've never been to a drive-in in in los angeles i don't even know where the drive-ins in los angeles are (laughs) i'm gonna have to talk to you after the show because i don't even know where they are so and i'm someone who enjoys a drive-in much less someone who has no interest in it or has never done it and it's just not on their radar so i don't think that that is going to and as you also said there's just not that many drive-ins and they can only hold so many cars. It's not like right. it's, you know, an unlimited number of drive-ins and they also only have one screening per day. You know, part of the new Oscar rules is not just that they allowed it to be drive-ins, but it used to be that you had to show the film three times a yep. day in a traditional theater. Now they're saying, well, you know, they're not having three. I had dog hair all over my face so that's why i keep rubbing my nose you guys um and so like you know there's just not going to be that the opportunity for as many people to see a film that's in the drive-in um so while i applaud the the oscars for wanting people to still have that theatrical type experience i don't think that opening up to the drive-in is going to make that big of a difference you know Um, They also have, as the other qualifier, it can stream for 60 days on their Oscars-only platform. To be honest, I think that the better move would be to allow one-time-only streaming films to qualify. Um, That would open it up for a lot more... a lot more films to be able to be in competition maybe not necessarily the big tentpole films that we've talked about like you know the i don't know wonder woman wouldn't a lot of those films just end up being filler i mean like literally just maybe but also you're gonna open it up to walmart box you know what i would never have seen parasite in the theaters Mm. you know parasite was a film that i was never going to go to the movies and see 
And then all of a sudden I heard everybody talking about it yeah. so much. Most people who had seen it, you know, on a screener and I was like, oh, my God, this film is amazing. So I think that if anything, um, unlike some of the bigger budget movies that have the that have the millions to pay for, you know, all the marketing efforts that it takes just to get a nomination for an Oscar sometimes, you know, like, let's be honest. I was saying this to Tom yesterday when we were talking about people getting cast. This business is not a meritocracy. Sometimes the most talented person wins. Sometimes the most brilliant film wins. That is not always the case. Sometimes the movie or the person with the biggest marketing budget wins. And that is the reality. So um, I think that if you have an opportunity for smaller budget films that don't necessarily have the PE budgets to go out into 3,000 theaters nationwide, but they have the ability to be streamed. We might actually discover some talent that otherwise would have always been below the radar. You know, I mean, you, you know, you've been in this business long enough. Do you think that the most talented people always get a shot? For the most part, I do. I, I, I've, I've been involved in, in some on-camera debates about this, and I think there's, there's a lot of things. For the most part, yes. Are there exceptions? Yes. There are definitely exceptions. Okay, well, I will say this. Part, from so, an yes. actor's point of view, someone who has been in acting classes since the day that my ass remember, landed. It's the <clears throat> actor's branch of the academy that is all SAG actors who are the ones who make these nominations and things like that. It's all actors who do it. Right, but what I... <laughs> And you and I'm not and I'm saying that sometimes actors get it wrong. You know, does every actor vote for as the long best as it's a human component? Exactly. Does every actor vote for the best performance or does every actor go, "Ooh, I really like Tom Hanks. You know, I'm not saying Tom Hanks doesn't deserve his Oscars, but does Tom Hanks necessarily deserve to win over someone else that may not necessarily have a name that every person can pronounce or be a name that people aren't necessarily familiar with? Trust me, as a member of SAG-AFTRA, we have membership that votes for a lot of stupid things. We just voted for a contract that's going to cause a lot of our members to be bankrupt very soon. Like a lot of SAG-AFTRA actors vote for really stupid things because they don't necessarily know. So, like, right, but now we're so yeah, we're getting into about will right, but there what, be an Oscars right, this year and should there right, be? But an what Oscars I'm this but year? what I'm saying is, you know, people a lot of times vote for the thing that they're most familiar with, you know. And so, in a year where the big tent, there are not as many big tentpole movies in theaters or accessible to people. This might be a really great opportunity for the Academy to go. All right, just this one year. We're going to allow films to stream or, you know, and we're going to find some gems. I feel like this could be a year where, you know, a director, a writer, there's just going to be an opportunity. And maybe it is that year that someone goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, it was it was the 2021 Oscars. And so who gives a shit? But that doesn't mean that someone who maybe got seen in this year won't then be able to take that visibility and build right. into a stronger career. My argument is there is going to be no visibility because no one's going to care. No one's going to care. The audience is not going to tune. If you do an Oscar ceremony this year, like I think last year, it was the second highest rated television event of the year, uh, only behind the Super Bowl, had 30 million viewers. You're going to have 
less than a third of that this year. So we, I, I think the, the argument about visibility is negated by the fact that my point is, is that there will be no visibility. I'm, okay, we're talking about two different visibilities. You're talking about visibility to the general but audience. That's what the Oscars is for. No, it's not. I, the I, Oscars is for everybody. It's for all of these artists to be like, look how great I am. Look how great you yes, are. Look how great. That's the why they. It's the not year. the People's Choice Awards. No, I, I, the I agree. Only, yes, I agree. But it's that one time of the year. That it's the only day of the year that the Academy connects with the worldwide audience. It's but the what only a, day of the year? No, that because that. you're you're talking about the Oscars as a broadcast. I'm talking about the Oscars as an award. And when you talk about like, look at the technical Oscars. No one in a, no one in Iowa gives a shit about the technical Oscars. This is true. However, is true. however, if you are someone who created the fluffy thing on this microphone, you really care about those Oscars because that's your business. That's your industry. And you were awarded your Oscar for this fluffy thing. <laughs> you were awarded the fluffing Oscar. Right. But there's a point. You just so, made the point. There's that, that's why that Oscar is given out on a separate ceremony that's separate from the broadcast because but it's, it's still an Oscar. It is so still my an Oscar, point yes. is yes, um, you know, um, Mark Fan, I'm just making up a name. Mark, you know, Mark Fan or Michelle Fan might not be able, and I'm saying that because there's a fan behind the camera, might not have necessarily. Oh, see, I thought you were doing diversity. And it was P H A N. So well, you I know what? You were going for the diversity. Or thing. in China, F A N. Yes. Um, so the the last name of one of the new stars of that three five five movie that I'm so excited about her last Bing name Bing is Fan. Fan. That's right. yeah Bing Bing Fan um, anyway totally off topic so if let's say that uh, you know Michelle or Michael Fan is someone who wouldn't necessarily be on Hollywood's radar has been a you know a filmmaker who's been doing these you know independent films or short films and just for whatever reason because we again do not work in a meritocracy has flown under the radar of Hollywood but then is able to do a film that gets the notice of the Academy Awards and gets a nomination maybe doesn't win but gets a nomination in a world in an and when in any other year, that film would never even have been talked about, would never even have been noticed. All of a sudden, you know, Michael or Michelle Fan has an opportunity to be seen for other projects, which then could go on and build the career. And yes, of course, the person in Iowa is not going to care about Michael or Michelle Fan. They don't care. But in three or four years, when that person who has gotten the visibility of the industry, you know, it's just it, it's like what, you know, Tom and I talk about in acting. There's two jobs that I'm up for right now. They would both pay the same amount. They both would be the same amount of work. One of them is a very, very high profile show that people in, Amer in middle America do not watch and don't care about. But everybody in Hollywood watches it. And that's what's important. You know, right. I, so that's what I'm talking when I say visibility, I don't mean from a like they don't even need to televise the Oscars. In fact, I don't necessarily even think that they should, you know, make the Oscars of 2021 an event that is not for the public. That literally right. is just what the essence of it is, which is, you know, OK, artists I, I got to cut you off, value cut you off because here, here's, here's okay. the fundamental problem. Here's the fundamental problem with what you're saying. What you're saying will benefit 15 people where we're literally talking about because you're talking about okay th this one person okay so we're talking about doing an entire oscars because this one person who may never get noticed before might get noticed at this one thing at the end of the day this will be and this goes to my same thing 
we do have Defied Bloods this year. We do have Nomadland this year. We do have, uh, well, depending on who you ask, this is a good or a bad thing. We do have Tenet this year. There are some films out there that are big. The, the patterns that you suspect won't be any different. The, the people who will get the, the the nominations this year is going to be Christopher Nolan. It's going to be Delroy Lindo. And it's going to be, you know, uh, you know whatever other names. So that won't be, be changed. To me, you damage the Oscars by handing out Oscars in a year that is clearly not worthy. When you have less than 30% of what the normal actual um, uh, contingent of qualifying nominees could be, when you have less than 30% and you're still saying this is not, you devalue that Oscar. And I'm saying that while yes, there will be a couple of very specific hand-selected individuals who may get a little bit more attention this year than they would have gone, is all the negatives worth, well, what would you call him? Michael Fan? I like that name. Michael, yeah, but Michael Fan got something out of it. Well, Michael Fan versus the entire thing. To me, it's not enough. Well, this to is justify. I'm not also talking about across every category. Right, but again, but every category, nobody will give it nobody will look at it and say it was actually worth anything because that was the year that most of the films couldn't come out. And so there's really I, I just don't think there's any inherent value in doing it. But it, so I would rather see. What if we have less nominees? Instead of having 10 Best Picture nominees, we only have three Best Picture nominees. You shorten the that's, pool that's to choose. A, that's not a bad idea. You shorten the pool to choose from, so you just do the ratio. But see, here's me. You look at a performance like Delroy Lindo yeah. in The Five Bloods, right? Mm -hmm. I want him to, if he gets his Academy Award, I want him to get it clean. I want him so that nobody can look back on his Academy Award and say, well, yeah, but that was the year that all the other big films and all the other serious films and all like so many others films could be there. I would rather see Delroy Lindo be in the running and qualify for 2022 and win his Academy Award and then nobody can say anything about it. I would rather see a movie like Nomadland that is getting all this praise actually be in a year and be qualifying in an Oscar year where nobody can later look back and take away from its accomplishments of being nominated for Academy Award by saying, yeah, but that was in a year when nobody was else. Was okay, well, let me saying? ask you this. If Delroy Lindo wins the Academy Award this year, which I believe he should, would you go, yeah, but his performance wasn't really that great? Everybody else will. No, 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 sorry. I won't say no, his performance wasn't that great, but I will say everybody from now throughout the rest of history will say, yeah, he won an Academy Award. I don't agree really with you. Nearly as much. I don't agree with you because I would you go, know you know what? He won the Academy Award and he deserved it because what I wouldn't want to see. He deserved it in a year that there was no. It's like, it's like go back about 10 years ago when Tiger Woods. The was only like people the most that would say that guy. would be petty. They would, totally would. Here's the thing. Yeah, of course they would because ago, people are assholes, but they would say that. And people true. still say the same thing about Kim ago, Basinger. When Tiger Woods was the hottest golfer, and I don't even follow golf, but when Tiger Woods was the hottest golfer in the world, right? There would be some events that become of injury. He would go in there and then somebody else would like win the player's championship, which normally be huge, but nobody took it seriously because yeah, well, but Tiger didn't play that. So it doesn't. And, and it totally took place. I'm here. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of like a Delroy Lindo who gave the performance of a lifetime does wins an Academy Award when there's nobody else really for him to compete against. 
And then historically, that we know of. you know it's true that historic people will look back on that and not take away from his performance. Nobody will ever take away from his performance, but they will take away from his accomplishment because he did it in a year when there was nobody else to really challenge him for it. And I think that it would be much more meaningful if a Delroy Lindo for his performance in the Five Bloods was nominated like in a 2022 when there will be a more stacked field and he wins that award and nobody will ever be able to take away from that. I just don't want somebody to win an Academy Award where you got to put an asterisk beside the name. Right. You're also bonds. putting a lot of faith in people nominating him and him winning a year from now. Well, hey, if he's if 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 there are five other performances that are even better than his, that's life. That's I want Academy Delroy Awards. Lindo to have his Academy Award. I want and to what have we it have only if he is the truly best one in the field. And I'm saying it doesn't mean as much for 2020. I think that he so will weak. be. Of course, because there's a weak field. But you're saying that it's a weak field, not having seen the films. What if in because there haven't been any films? That's, that's there's only like thirty percent. They were saying only about thirty percent. We're in October. We're talking about know, until the end of like, February. But, but like you said, by the time December twenty fifth or December thirty first comes, approximately thirty percent. I think it was thirty one or thirty two of the movies that would have normally gotten a significant release, not just theatrically but also streaming would actually be represented in 2020 as compared to say 2019. If you have a field that's almost 70% smaller, that by nature says it's a weaker field. It not, is a weaker field. Not necessarily. It absolutely is. No, I mean like like just because something has less does not necessarily I think that there could also cuz we're you're also discounting international films, you know? Like there's been films that have been going on in New Zealand that have been shot in New Zealand, films that have been shooting in Canada, films that have been shooting in areas of the world that, you know, either before or after or in some way weren't as affected by the pandemic and there were still films that came out. I'm saying that I think that we should just wait and see because I really do think that there's going to be some gems that come out. And I don't mean one or two. I mean, there's. I think that this is going to be a year that really surprises us with some films that we go, wow, I would never have paid this any attention if this was any other year because I would have been focused on this big movie with this huge actor and that right. big movie with that but huge actor. But if it's truly worthy, it'll still qualify for 2022. And, and, and other, like, but it's going to be so such a saturated market that it probably won't. But it you won't say if it's truly it won't be as saturated as you think because it's not like they're doubling up because only thirty. They're not the doubling it, but they're moving by thirty. That's still quite yeah, a significant really, amount of. But, but what you're saying is about some gem films are going to get noticed. I think that's true whether there's an Oscars or not. Isn't isn't it true that that's true whether there's an Oscars in 2021 or not? Like the average viewer may find like maybe some people who never would have seen Nomadland, maybe see it this year because there's nothing else to watch. But that'll happen regardless of if there's an Oscars or not. I, I think that the I think, the I think that the individual the categories need to like once the nominating committee gets in there and sees what they have, that will be a decision right. for the nominating committee. We got to kill this thing because we've gone on over twenty minutes about this. But people like to see us argue, John. I know they do. Uh, but <laughs> bottom line here, Aaron believes we both believe that the drive-in thing, while a very very Noble thing, noble thing for the Academy to do. It makes sense if you are moving forward with the Oscars. That makes sense. But we also, also both agree that it's not really going to make any difference or any change. Still, they're making some nice news. However, Aaron and I disagree. I believe that the drawbacks of trying to do the Oscars this year, it diminishes the value of the Oscars. It's not going to connect with the audience. These are movies that most audiences haven't seen. All this kind of stuff. I believe that necessitates that they just say, you know what? 
We're just not going to do a 2021 Oscars and we're going to move all eligibility to 2022. Aaron, on the other hand, believes that while that may be true, there are benefits to that, such as maybe some gems that we may have overlooked in the past might actually get something and a star can be born in something like this and maybe open up the field. And hey, it's only for one year. And people can see it streaming. The Oscar people can see it streaming. No, I was saying that instead of just having it in theaters, make those films available okay, so streaming. If, if so they, people will see the change. movies. Right. But that's 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 a that's a different issue altogether. But if they did that. But I mean, a lot of movies, regular movies every year can be seen on streaming anyway before Oscars come around yeah. too as well. So question is. What do you guys think? Maybe you disagree with us and you think that the drive-in thing will actually make all the difference in the world. And maybe you're thinking of something that we've overlooked. When it comes to the Oscars, should they even bother doing it this year? I don't think they should. Aaron thinks they should. You've heard us talk at <laughs> nausea about it. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. <laughs> Someone What's said that? in the chat, and stop this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. come save us from ourselves. Okay. So... For now, guys, let's move on and start taking your live questions. We, of course, have our live questions thing open. You can use it by using the tip link at the top of the description of this video or go to streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. So let's jump over and start getting on with these questions. The first one today comes to us from Bojax, who writes, Hi, John. I just read that Warner Brothers is releasing 4K Blu-ray versions of Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it got me thinking. This would be perfect to bring to theaters right now. Is that something you'd be willing to see in theaters? Uh, along those lines, why don't we see any collaborations between studios and theaters right now for TV stuff? I'd love to go with friends to watch The Mandalorian in theaters. Uh, they could maybe even offer free or reduced pricing for Disney Plus subscribers. Yeah, Disney's not into that. Um, let's. Uh, with the main thing about The Lord of the Rings... As a lot of times, the, the resolution on the giant screens is by by far exceeds whatever we have on TVs. And we are seeing Lord of the Rings being re-released in a lot of theaters. There's a lot of places where you can go and watch Lord of the Rings uh, on a movie screen right now. Actually, I've got one near me that is playing that right now. So that's already there. As far as TV stuff, listen, I, I think there's probably a lot of drawbacks to doing that. From a fan's point of view, I know I'd be interested. Like, I know that if they put out um, for example, hey, you want to see the season finale of Lovecraft Country mm. on uh, at your local movie theater two days before it drops on HBO? I know I'd buy a ticket. Oh, yeah. If you want to say, hey, you want to see the – because they did this for Lord of the Rings – or not Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones before. They did this thing where it's like, hey, we're going to show you the first two episodes of the new season of Game of Thrones in theaters mm -hmm. before it airs on HBO Max. I'd be down for something like that. So if they did that with Mandalorian – I'd be in. There are a lot of drawbacks, though, for the studio. So I'll say from a fan's point of view is I'd be down for that. What about you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, also, you've been to premieres of television shows before. Yes. You know, and, and it's a very similar thing. And that's a really great idea. I think that that would be something that could actually help the movie theaters. Yeah. I think I, you're onto something. But I know I understand that for the networks themselves, there could be a lot of very legitimate reasons why that doesn't work out so well for them. Right. But, but if they do not necessarily the like like I remember I, I went to the like the um uh, Boardwalk Empire season four premiere and it was like such a cool treat to see a show that I had been watching for three seasons on a big screen. So if you have, as you said, the season finale for a show that's got a huge audience already, or the season premiere for the next, you know, the 
the for yep. the next season of a show that's already got a built-in fan base. I think that could be really good for the theaters and for the show. I was at uh, ArcLight Theater in Hollywood for a press screening of some movie, and outside was this giant line of people in Star Trek cosplay because they were debuting the first two episodes. Now, you of and Picard. I were there. Were you there with me for that? We were going to see something together. I was like, why are all these people I, dressed like little? Was yes, that, it was Doolittle. We oh, anyway. And I was um, like, what's going on yeah, with all the, the Trekkies? Trekkies. All the Trekkies. <laughs> and you were like, oh, it's me. for the Picard premiere. The Picard premiere. Yes. So, you just so that people will get excited. And then it, and it actually would benefit the network because you have, because then you have all the photos and everybody online and they're live tweeting and Instagramming and TikToking and whatever. Yeah. You know, I think that it would actually build up enthusiasm. Again, I, I, I get it from there may be drawbacks. Like I'm not a, a television studio why there would be drawbacks to doing that, but I'm just, I agree as a fan. Man, I'd be totally down for that. All right, let's move on here. Willow writes, congratulations on your movie making it to the finalists for best documentary. Thank Yay! you so much, Willow. Uh, if you did get to rename Peacock, what would you change the name to? Can't be a plus? You know, I've given some thought to that because I'm very, very critical. First of all, uh, for those of you who missed it, what she's talking about, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to do a little shameless plug here. Why not? Um, so my uh, little film, Movie Trailers, uh, a love story has not only been accepted and and uh, selected for the NBC Universal presents the Portland Film Festival, uh, but we were also notified that we are a finalist for the jury prize of best documentary at the festival. So I'm very very excited about that and very honored. Uh, so fabulous, yeah, I'm 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 great for that. I'm really really happy about that. But one of the things I jokingly said in my social media post was. Hey, NBC Universal, if I win, can I rename Peacock? Because I'm not a fan of the name Peacock. I think, Who I think is? it is a bad name for Of course it is. Or, We've been making fun of it since day one. Now, I like Peacock. As a matter of fact, because, you know, you, me, Anne, and Tom were playing uh, Game of Thrones the other night, or we were playing uh, Settlers of Catan. Of Catan. Mm -hmm. uh, we were also going to play the Battlestar Galactica thing. That I had just given him because, yes, I did find the Battlestar Galactica game. And Anne had never seen Battlestar Galactica. Right. Thanks to Peacock, we were able to sit down. I was able to start showing Anne Battlestar Galactica. Oh, great. We, we only got through the first half of the opening miniseries okay. so far. But we're, we just started. But she's but, into it. But she's into it. Great. So thank you, Peacock, for being there. But I do think they need to change the name. So what would I change the name to? Well, I hate – I said this before. I hate – that all these premium streaming services now have just started putting plus. So we got Disney Plus. We got ESPN Plus. HBO got, Max. Uh, HBO Max, which at least they didn't do plus. Uh, we have um, Apple TV Plus. We have whatever. So I feel like Max is like plus. I'd be okay. Even though I hate the fact that everybody started doing it, now that it's the industry norm, I'd even be fine with Universal Plus mm. or NBC Plus just because – now, even though I hate that everybody puts plus after it, it does denote to the audience exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, or like NBC Prime or something. Totally. Anything else. So it stays on brand. Yes. But, but you know that you're getting, you know, an enhanced version of it. Yes. So anything other than Peacock. and I'm, But you know what? I'll get over it. I will. It's, it's not a good name. I'll get over it. But you know what? I, I don't know. There's there's lots of movies that have bad names. And I just get over it because I like the movies. I like that. NBC. I mean, here's the NBC thing. NBC Prime's not bad. NBC Prime is great. You know, and Universal Plus. I like that. But um, I think it's. I think they're just going to keep it uh, Peacock just to spite people. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they I mean, know that everyone hates it. They they have to know that everyone hates it. And everybody says, "Well, because that's the logo." Who so cares? Is that a good reason to name something? Whatever. I I don't know. Do you call CBS eyeball? <laughs> 
Well, you know, you know let's, call, let's, let's call the CBS streaming. Let's call Eyeball because that kind of what the logo looks like. Anyway. Can I actually give you a little bit of trivia? Sure. Um, the Eyeball logo of CBS was actually taken. Uh, it was inspired by the Belgian artist Rene Magritte, who happens to be my favorite artist. You know, the bicycle, Cicine Pazum Beep. I mean, Cicine Pazum Bicyclette, the bicycle thing that I have on my wall where I have my oh my leopard print wall. bicycle that's hanging on a wall and it I looks like. Say, and where the fuck should I know what a bicycle is? Oh, the thing hanging on your wall. The thing yes, hanging on my wall, the, the bicycle. Wall. That yeah. is, it is, it is an homage to my favorite Belgian artist, Rene Magritte, and he uh, is the artist who inspired the uh, the CBS eyeball. So, a little piece of that. art trivia for you out there. So, and didn't they, yeah, they just called the Paramount Paramount's another one. They just changed CBS All Access to Paramount Plus. I believe it is. So, there great, I love but that eyeball. Just call it the eyeball. Eyeball. Right. Okay, next up, eyeball max. Uh, let's go with uh, Shadow Jester writes. Regarding the Mulan mishap, hey, John and guests, <laughs> I think the best way to have handled Mulan, keeping the same timeline, instead of 30, make it 25 for Disney Plus customers to own, then release it to other stuff for 30. That way you see benefits for being a subscriber. Listen, that was my big case that I was making yesterday about, I get it. Mulan was a financial disaster for them with the whole Disney Plus experiment. I get it. So now they're trying to find other ways to generate revenue for the project. So they're putting it on Google Plus and Voodoo and everybody else. Fine. I get it. My whole point is in making that decision, they should have sat in that boardroom and said, whatever it is we do, we have to do it in such a way that our customers, our Disney Plus subscribers, feel like they got the better deal because they're Disney Plus subscribers. Instead, they have made the deal better. If you weren't a Disney Plus subscriber, you pay $30 and it's yours permanently. For Disney Plus, you pay $30 and you get to keep watching it as long as you pay $84 a year for using, I mean, plus all the other, the 4K, the extra bonus feature, all that kind of stuff. They should have sat down and said, I'm not against that they put it out on other platforms, but they should have put it out on other platforms where they could Honestly, with integrity, look at their consumers and their customers and say, you guys clearly got the better deal because you're our loyal customers, not we gave the better deal to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like that's the part that frustrated me. Now, I don't know if you uh, went out and paid nope. to watch Mulan. I did because, well, I needed to. But – and I was excited for Mulan. I was – and it's – you know, I don't think Mulan is as bad as people make out. I, I think it definitely has its charm. But it was definitely disappointing to me. I, I thought it could have been much better. But yeah, I know I felt that kind of indignation when I realized I paid 30 bucks for it. And I only get to keep watching it as long as I keep paying Disney my $7, 10 $12 a month, however much it's going to end up really being. And I didn't get all these bonus features and I didn't get all these. And it's like, oh, so if I just waited like a couple of weeks and then got it on my Google Play Store – I would have had all this stuff for the same money. Yeah, it's kind of a slap in the face. And it's it, totally a slap in the face. And it also means that not that they were going to, but they can never, ever, ever try to do that again. Oh, hey, play, pay 30 bucks and get this movie because everyone's going to go, yeah, well, the last time I paid 30 bucks to get That's the movie, exactly it turned around and yeah. That's like, nope, no, thank you. I'll, I, cause I don't trust you anymore. Exactly. So I, it's going <clears> to <throat> take them a little while to win that trust back by acting in a good way. But yeah, anyway, absolutely. Shout out. This could have been avoided if when they did release it to the other networks, make sure it's done or other streaming services, make sure it was done such a way that the Disney plus subscriber can feel like it's a good thing I'm a Disney Plus subscriber because I got the better deal. And they did the complete opposite, unfortunately. All right, next up. 
Shadow Jester also writes, here's a joke. Why does Batman wear all black so he's harder to see and shoot at? Why does Batman make Robin wear bright yellow colors? So Batman is harder to see and shoot at. There you go. The kid is strictly target practice. It's like that old joke. When, when you're in a horror movie and you're running from a monster in the woods, you don't have to outrun the monster in the woods. You just got to outrun the friend you're with. That's, that's, that's the only thing you got to do. True. All right. Next up, Opie is my father writes, I know you haven't seen The Walking Dead recently, but Ryan Hurst is in the show. Yeah, I, I've heard about that. Oh. Ryan Hurst is in the show and scary as F. I know you stopped watching, so you didn't get to see his character, but please, please, please Google image search Ryan Hurst, The Walking Dead, just so you can see his design. I bet five bucks you love. Oh, I did. I looked up I looked up still images of a minute because, of course, Ryan Hurst plays one of my all-time favorite characters in television, Ope from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he was my favorite character in that show. And I loved him. So I had no idea he was in Walking Dead because I've given up on Walking Dead. And yeah, the images look good. I'm still not in, interested in watching Walking Dead anymore. I, I, I watched it enough. I kind of tapped out on it. Are I you thought on? it was in its last season like three years ago. No, no. They're in, <laughs> now they're in their last season. Oh, okay. Okay. It just feels but like it was three thing. years ago. They're in their last season, but they've already announced um, that I'm trying to remember the name of the character. Uh, the Oh... The one who always had the crossbow. He's been there from the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he rides right. a motorcycle. Yes. He rides uh -huh. a motorcycle. Him mm -hmm. and the older woman, like that that pair, they're like two of the most popular characters in the show. They're getting a spinoff series. The woman who had breast cancer. I can't remember. I can't remember, to be honest with you. But yeah. She, had, she has the white hair and everything. Yeah. But, you know, she was supposed, she was a local hire recurring guest star in Atlanta and people loved her so much that, that they, they just, she became a regular. They just kept writing for her. The audience loved her so much. Chris, Good for Chris her. Pratt was that in Parks and Rec. He was supposed to be kind of be just this only occasional thing. So and everybody crazy. loved him and became a, now he's a big major star. But I, so really, Walking Dead is continuing after this season. If you've got the two most popular characters, it's just called anyway. But I, I'll be honest with you. Even though I love Ryan Hurst, I'm not going to go and watch a show just because just because of that. I, I've i given enough to Walking Dead. And it's fine. It's fine. But uh, I did hear he was really good in it. And I'm not surprised at all. Okay, next up. Um, that Waffle You Know writes, John, my grandmother <laughs> passed away the same day as yours did recently. And my grandfather died, of course, a few days ago. Uh, and I just had to put down my pet... For, of 16 years. Oh, I'm so sorry oh, to hear that. Gosh. I've been uh, with you since the movie blog days. I just wanted you to know, especially times like now, that you've kept my head above water. You saved my life. Oh, thanks so much for that, man. You know, one of the great things about the film fan community, and by the way, thank you so much to everybody who sent in this incredible outpouring of thoughts and well wishes uh, after my grandfather died. Um, it, it One of the great things we've always said about the film fan community is that it is the, the movies and the fans that love them. They create an oasis. Like when you go in and watch a movie, when you're in the middle of a bunch of terrible crap in your life, it doesn't take away the terrible crap in your life. But what that movie or the ability to talk with movie fans does is it gives you a brief reprieve from it. It allows your mind to rest and allows your soul to, to regenerate a little bit. And it allows your imagination to run wild for a few minutes outside of the weight of what you've got going on in your real life. And I find that when you come out of those movies or you come out of those conversations of talking about movies, the crap is still there, but you're in a different position. Mm. You're a little bit more refreshed. You're in a little bit of a better position with maybe a little bit of a different perspective to deal with that stuff more than anything else. And that's one of the reasons why I've always absolutely loved the movies and why 
in the darkest parts of my life, the movies have always been there. Like I've I've watched a lot of mystery men when I've had bad things going on in my life. And, you know, I, I don't know, Aaron, like, what would you say to some like that about uh, the role that, you know, film is played and stuff like that when when things are darkest and tough? Oh, absolutely. You know, I um, <clears throat> I I I I got into this conversation with someone who said, well, you know, making movies is just, you know, nobody really cares about it. It's not like brain surgery. And I said, and this is not to take away from brain surgeons, but I said, you know, what film does is it's healing the soul because we also live in a society where people aren't necessarily always allowed to embrace the, um, the, 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 the volume of, turned up on their emotions you know we can be happy but we can't be ecstatic we can be mad but we can't be rageful you know we can be sad but we can't be depressed whereas when you go into a movie you can laugh out loud a laugh that would be you know looked down upon in a restaurant or you know walking outside with your friends you can laugh as loudly as you want with a, an entire theater of people laughing along with you you may not necessarily feel like you can cry um, because of you know the environment that you're in or the way that people look at expressing emotions um, but if you're in a theater and something really painful happens if you're watching old yeller you can let whatever pain you're feeling about whatever is going on in your life you can cry people will be like yeah the dog died that's so sad and you're like i'm not crying about that but it doesn't matter you, know, you can really express some emotions that a lot of times we're just not necessarily Feel, we don't feel like we have the ability to express in, you know, in, in our everyday lives. And so I, I don't I, I look at it not only as a form of escapism, but also as a way to connect and to, you know, see things from a different perspective that allows us to grow and learn more about society. I, I, I do think that films can have such an important um, play such an important role in um, in 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 allowing us to be who we are and to see each other as um, I'm just babbling at this point. Um, Sorry, I'm just getting really emotional. <laughs> yeah, that's what filled this it's been a hard week. So thank you so much for yeah, that. Yeah, that was beautiful. I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, listen, breaking news that uh, just came out a few minutes ago on the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so we should talk about this for a second. Breaking news. Uh, and the ever-evolving world of the MCU, of course, we've got one of the films coming out we've been talking a little bit about recently is Spider-Man 3, uh, the new Spider-Man with Tom Holland. Of course, we've been talking about a lot because Jamie Foxx is coming back to play Electro, the same character he played in that other Spider-Man universe. He's coming back. We'll now add another name to it. It has been confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter that Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is going to be joining Spider-Man 3. Now, they say the following about this. says, the move puts Cumberbatch in the mentor role that was previously occupied by Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark and Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury character. That's what they say. Now, The Hollywood Reporter also goes on to mention that this could be the inclusion of Doctor Strange could be the way they explain how Jamie Foxx's Electro character from a completely different movie franchise that died, which is the Marvel fake death universe, who cares, who had died is suddenly coming back to play it, which is still an interesting question. So he's coming in here. Let me tell you my thoughts on this. These, these are just my initial thoughts because I am literally just a few minutes ago came across this. So we'll talk about it uh, probably a little bit more tomorrow. But let me give you my initial thoughts. First initial thought. Yay. 
It's Benedict Cumberbatch, right? I mean, he's great. He's fantastic. And love him. Love his Doctor Strange. And I love his Doctor Strange. That's fantastic. But I'm not going to lie to you. I've got one big hesitation about this. One of the things I was really looking forward to in the next Spider-Man movie was actually getting to see Spider-Man be Spider-Man. I mean, so far, every time we've seen Spider-Man, he's just been this kid who has had to have grown-ups holding his mm-hmm. hand through it. In Spider-Man Homecoming, it had to be Tony was his kind of mentor father figure. As we got in the next one, Hap and, and, um, and Nick Fury kind of both took that role. I mean, I was kind of looking forward to Spider-Man 3 getting to see, all right, guess what? He's college age now. He's been Spider-Man for a while. It's been a few years. Let's actually see Spider-Man be Spider-Man. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this will just be a minor thing. Like maybe when the state's going to take on uh, a mentor role, maybe he'll be in it for like 10 minutes of the movie and gone. Or maybe he's going to be like in there for like an hour of the film. I don't know. So I'm a little torn right now. I'll process this more overnight. But I got two brains on this. One, yay, awesome. On the other hand, I'm a little bit, mm, would have been good just to see Spidey be Spidey finally. Like no longer, don't let him be Iron Man Jr. anymore. Let him be Spider-Man. So I don't know. I'm a little torn. Aaron, you just heard this news along with me. What's your first reaction to hearing about this? Well, I mean, First of all, anytime that we can get more Benedict Cumberbatch, especially as Doctor Strange, I'm excited about that. I I, I love him in this role. Um, I think that he really brings such a powerful uh, presence to any project that he does, especially as this character. Um, and, you know, to your point, I wonder if that's almost by design, if keeping Spidey as... Um, kid-like in the way that he still has lessons to learn, things that he can still, you know, glean from his more experienced, you know, mentor type people. Maybe that is something that could be by design in in, in keeping that. You know what I mean? Almost like preserving a, a type of innocence in a way that uh, we maybe maybe we don't get to see him uh be full-fledged on his own independent um it allows him to still uh have an opportunity to make mistakes or to learn from them or to have to lean on someone else i don't know that's just my initial uh thoughts based on what you're saying but um yeah it'll be interesting to see how much as you said dr strange is a part of this versus just coming in you know for a moment of inspiration and then leaving right and and then obviously then the next big suspicion they're not saying this but i mean obviously we're, our minds are going to go here is that then how is this specifically tying into the upcoming dr strange movie dr strange in the multiverse of madness mm-hmm. which we also already know is very much tied into the upcoming wandavision series because you know we're going to see wanda is going to be predominant as well in the doctor strange movie so are we seeing a very very interconnected story here Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, maybe literally Doctor Strange is completely separate from the story of a standalone movie, but how tied in is it going to be? These are questions we're going to be asking. So again, we'll probably talk about this more tomorrow on the show once I have a chance to read into this a little bit more and and gestate this a little bit and really think about it. But for right now, it's... Uh, it, it raises a lot of questions. Guys, what do you guys think about this edition? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. Okay, with that, let's keep on going with your live questions here. And our next live question up comes to us from 9 by 5 what comes after rights? One of two. 
I tapped after Negan got in jail too. That's when I stopped watching the show. Uh, but uh, season nine, episode five is the single best The Walking Dead episode ever. It was Rick's last episode. I'm not saying watch the whole show, but you have to watch that episode. It's truly special and cameos from The Punisher and Herschel that actually makes sense. Uh, best part, it's a self-contained episode made so well that anyone who tapped out could follow along. All you need to know is Negan is in jail, but Maggie wants him dead. There, you're caught up. Uh, plus, uh, Bernthal and JDM both have Emmy-worthy uh, acting in this, especially uh, this episode are worth the watch. I've heard that his um, Rick's last episode is a good episode. Uh, and of course, we're going to get a standalone movie. Rick movie is coming. Really? Uh, yeah. You didn't know about that? With John Bernthal? Yeah. Oh, not, not John Bernthal, the guy who plays Rick. Uh, oh, uh, the, I don't know who I, John... I, I, don't, I can't remember the actor's name. But they're doing a standalone movie of his. Originally, he was supposed to die at the end, but then they decided, no, they'll just take him away and he doesn't actually die. And then he's going to have his own standalone movie. So whether that's going to be theatrical streaming, I can't remember. But I, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll go back and watch that. I'm... I'm not going to lie. I, I am walking dead out. Yeah. I'm walking dead deaded out. Walking deaded out. There, I'll make up for it. I am walking. You've walking out. died. I've, yeah, I've, wa I've walking died. That's it. I'm I'm kind of over the show. But did knows? you ever get into the spinoffs? I like fear the walking dead. Yeah, I never did. I tried to watch one or two episodes. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. And it doesn't seem that interesting anyway. So, mm -hmm. uh, but again, I. No disrespect intended to people involved with that show. It's just that I was already pretty much, I was very quickly approaching being Walking Deaded out already. Mm -hmm. When I put it on, it's like, okay, so it's more Walking Dead. Well, and you got to so give credit to the writers, though. Like, because any, I mean, it's not like this is CSI, which I can say that because the show's not on the air anymore, you know, where it's just like, okay, we're going to do a different, you know, uh, murder every week this is a show that really has to keep a narrative storyline going year after year after year and how many stories can you tell about running away from zombies they figured <laughs> it out so like that's hard that is very very challenging i mean look at what we were talking the other day about how uh, you know how impressive it is for a show to last six seasons you know much less as long as this has lasted without being you know a procedural like gray's anatomy you right. know uh, a, a different you know uh, operation of the week i really we got to give kudos to the writing staff of the walking dead that's impressive yeah it is it is very impressive even if i got walking dead it out but you know what they kept me hanging on longer than they would and a lot of other people didn't the show wouldn't still be on the air if uh you yep. know if it died it, it would have been canceled a long time ago if everybody yep. had walking died but still people are walking died they're still dead walking okay let's keep going here james germain writes uh hey john thank you for answering my question on patreon the other day uh, my question though is uh, am I the only idiot that didn't realize that Raised by Wolves was in the same universe as Alien? I mean, when Mother picked up that helmet, uh, well, have a filthy day. Is it supposed to be in the same universe as Alien? Have you seen it? Uh, Raised, uh, with, Raised by Wolves? Yeah, I've, I've watched the whole first season. I, I'll be honest <sighs> with you. The, I thought the last episode was so bad that... Really? Yeah, I did. I, that I, I don't know. Listen, okay, so here's the thing with Raised by Wolves for me. I have been into the show. I haven't loved it, but I've been into it and and following along. I keep uh, Ak Akabar, I think is the name of the guy who plays father. Okay. 
riveted every moment he's on screen. I mean, he, and, and the woman who plays mother as well is really, really good. And it's not Evan Rachel Wood. And, and is, I do believe it is not Evan Rachel Wood. I don't think <laughs> it is. Because it looks just like her in the posters. Yeah. But, you know, I, did, have you watched it? I know. Okay. So here's the thing. You get to the last episode of the season, and I won't give away what happens. You better not. But it gets really bonkers. And bonkers can be great, but here's the big problem with it. They got to the end of the season, and the season one ends, and they had answered the grand total of zero questions. Uh. And I'm not saying the end of a season of anything needs to wrap everything up and not leave a lot of significant dangling threads for what brings you the next season. But all they did was they took all the big questions that the season had raised, answered none of them in the last episode, and introduced a whole batch of new Oh, no, 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 no. You got to wrap it all up and then open up a new box. If they had answered, given some answers, then the new things come up would have maybe go, well, now what do we got? But instead, I'm just watching this. I'm like, okay, now, now you've just frustrated me and... I'm tapping out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm interested in watching season two. Yeah. And, and maybe if I had loved it, but you've been, I know, intrigued by this show because I know, and it does do some really good things, but why haven't you pulled the trigger on it? Why haven't you started watching it yet? I'm just curious. Oh, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's already so many, like I'm, I'm still not caught up with Lovecraft Country and I just... Um, I don't know. By the way, the latest episode of Lovecraft, again, is completely bonkers. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I also, I don't know. I haven't heard anyone talking about it. Then again, I haven't really talked to a lot of people, but I have not heard. You're the only person that I've talked to that has that I've heard anything from. Well, it's here's the problem. It's it's an Apple TV Plus show. And there are so still, it's not as accessible to as many people. And not okay. as many people are tuned in Apple TV Plus. And you know what? I, I get it because... Apple TV Plus did a horrible job launching that service. Oh, yeah. There was no buzz about it. Nobody was talking about it. None of the shows look particularly exciting. But I, on a whim, started watching The Morning Show. You know what? I was just about to say that. Fabulous. Because... Yeah, because that's the thing is I, 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 I realize why I haven't watched the show. I have Apple TV Plus. I have not watched a single thing on yeah, it yet. I bet you haven't even opened it up yet. I haven't opened it up yet because you know what? We kind of we we're, we're creatures of habit. You know, when it's time to watch something, we're like, oh, we've been watching a lot of you know Harley Quinn, so we automatically are like, oh, let's go to HBO Max. Let's see what they're doing. You know, we've been watching. I've been watching a lot of um, a lot of woke. So I'm like, oh, what's what else is on Hulu? You know, I've been watching a lot of The Boys. So I'm like, oh, what else is Amazon Prime playing? It's just it's not on my radar. Yep. But I think, but the morning show is a show that I. I really, really want to watch. And so I feel like once I start watching the morning show, it's just going to open up my whole Apple Plus world. I love the morning show. Now, they've got some crap on there. Like the Jason Momoa, the one they really tried to push was this Jason Momoa show called C, and it's not good. But they've got this other show. Ray got me introduced to this other show on Apple TV Plus called For All Mankind. And it's awesome. Is that an astronaut show? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. It rewrites history a little bit about the race to the moon and everything, but it is, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And then I haven't started watching it yet, but there's this Chris Evans, uh, I don't know if it's a a series or just a mini series, 
uh, where his like his son is is accused of killing somebody, and it's like even the parents, like Chris and his wife, aren't even one hundred percent sure whether he did it or not. Right. But everybody tells me oh, it's interesting. fantastic. And so there's this. Oh, that sounds really. I would watch that. But yeah, but I'm not <clears throat> surprised that not a lot of people are checking it out. And here's the thing: even though I was universally frustrated with the show by the end of the first season. I think it will click for some people. Mm-hmm. So if you have not checked so out. So is it in the alien world? Would you say, I mean, I, you know alien for pretty well. That. I never would have I never would have thought that. I never would have thought that. Oh. and there's Watching n- it. But uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Um, well, maybe this person knows something that we don't. Maybe Ridley Scott has said something, uh, and and because okay. Ridley Scott is the producer of it, so oh okay, I, so so maybe, but I I did not. I will not investigate that. that if it's connected to Alien. I will watch it. Um, okay, let's keep on moving here. We just got time for one or two more quick ones here while Aaron's still with us. Uh, let's see. Jim K writes, "Hey John." I think AMC and Cinemark may be on better ground since reopening because when theaters first reopened, Regal ran full speed with morning late shows where AMC began shows at 1 to 2 p.m. and uh, last show at 8 p.m. I think Regal uh, uh, spent through more cash. I really don't think that's much of a, of a um, factor, not to mention every theater is different, right? One local AMC theater may have only – like I know there was an AMC theater – uh, I think it was in um, in Pennsylvania, I think it was. Anyway, that was like literally only playing movies after 7 p.m. And But then there were movies that were – there were theaters that were showing like they were running all day. But I think it really does go location to location. I don't think Regal as a chain was running morning, afternoon, and evenings. And I don't think AMC as a chain was only doing whatever. So I don't think it balances out that way. Listen, I think it's the wrong decision – for AMC and Cinemark to stay open right now. I think they need to go into hibernation mode, mm-hmm. conserve their resources, and so they can still be alive and survive when the movies come back. But there could be some advantages to staying open, not having to go through all the expense of restarting up operations again once you've closed them down again. Maybe they're able to get a little bit of that business that was going to Regal. So we'll have to wait and see. I still think it was the wrong decision, but we'll wait and see what happens. All right, um, let's see. Bill Hauser writes, was great seeing Sharon Osbourne and Kobe Bell from The Gifted on Aaron's episode of Lucifer, as well as later seeing the reunion of President David Palmer with his brother, uh, President Wayne Palmer. Uh, did he play – wait a sec, Did the guy who played a meta deal, did he play Wayne Palmer in 24? I don't remember that. Oh, D.B. Woodside? Yeah, did he play – I, I don't remember him in that. But at, at any rate, um, who's Kobe Bell? I can't remember who she is in The Gifted. And I, I love The Gifted, but I can't remember who she played in The Gifted. But uh, just in general, it was great seeing. But just briefly, I know we're already past 1130 here. but That's okay. Just in a nutshell, I what a thing I haven't had a chance to ask you yet. What was your experience like being on set of Lucifer and, and working on a set of Lucifer? Oh, it was great. It was really fun. You know, um, uh, as you as we've talked about, Leslie Ann Brand is one of my best friends. We've been friends since we were on Spartacus together. And so sadly, and we she didn't plays Maze in the show. She plays Maze in the show. Yes. And uh, and she was really like we thought it was going to be the last season. And um, the casting director, Rebecca Mangieri Reed, had also cast me in All Rise. So it was kind of an easy sell when Leslie Ann was like, hey, 
uh, Aaron Cummings, Lucifer, it's our last season. And Rebecca was like, obviously, duh. And so uh, there was a role that came up and it required someone to be able to just like cry on cue. And that's kind of what I do. And so, uh, so yeah, so I, I went in and it was really fun. I got to hang out with Leslie Ann during the table read and we were shouting all these uh, you know, little profanities, profanities and uh, private jokes. And everybody was looking at us like, what are you guys talking about? But then I worked with um, Lauren and Tom uh, Ellis on, you know, on the days that I was working and they were lovely. You know, it's just it's it's nice to go into a show that has been working for multiple years because the crew is just a well-oiled machine. You know, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're not even when we were on location, which all of our stuff was on location. You know, when you go on location, that's when you usually see the wheels falling off the cart right. um, with, you know, just people not knowing what's going on. And it was really it was just a very chill relaxed, lovely environment. And my husband, Tom, did a pilot that never, that didn't get picked up with Tom Ellis years ago. Um, he played, Tom Ellis played Frankenstein and my Tom played Frankenstein's monster. Um, <laughs> appropriate. And so, uh, so it was nice to be able to be like, oh yeah, my husband's Tom Degnan. And he's like, oh my God, yeah, Tom Degnan. So it was just a really lovely experience. Awesome. Well, listen, Aaron, we know we got to let you go. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to Joey Bishop for being here. And in the meantime, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Oh, I would love for you to come listen to me rant on Twitter at Aaron L. Cummings, or just come and look at some fun stuff on Instagram, which I try to keep a little bit lighter uh, at Aaron L. Cummings as well. And if you check out my stories on Instagram, you will usually see a lot more of Joey Bishop. All right. Thanks a lot for being here. And Thank we will you. talk to you. And we got to play that Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, what, I brought you gifts. You I brought me gifts? up when we were talking about the drive-thru. I brought you I some, love Junior Mints. Yeah, some uh, movie theater candy, some Junior Mints. I haven't had Junior Mints in ages. Some Raisinets. I don't eat raisins. Oh, That's they're the okay. grossest things ever. Who does? Um, some Sour Patch Kids. Oh, my God. And everybody's favorite Milk Duds. Well, I'm going to eat some of them while I'm watching TV tonight. Yeah, I so took much. the peanut M&Ms for myself because those are my favorite. But Those are, those are mine and Anne's favorite, too. I wanted but to I celebrate. Yeah, I wanted to celebrate, you know, going back to the movies eventually and just have a little bit of nostalgia for the times that we miss and bring so you guys. You, me, Tom, and Anne played... Uh, Settlers, Settlers Catan, Catan the other night. And so Anne ran out and bought the Game of Thrones Settlers of Catan, which you saw down. We've got downstairs. So I did. We've got to get that arranged. for. Well, you know what? I actually, we know I had I given you guys a little like wish list of games that I really, really wanted, including Operation. Um, and so when I walked in and I saw the Game of Thrones Settlers of Catan, I got really excited because I was like, oh, my God, they bought <laughs> they this for bought us. This and then you were me. like, yeah, look at this game that I got. And I was like, oh, surprise. But I brought you candy. <laughs> Can I have your Game and of the Thrones? Candy is wonderful. I cannot <laughs> wait to eat it. All but right, the thanks. Game of Thrones Settlers of Catan is like. Two hundred dollars. So I think Anne got a got a really cheap. Obviously, deal on she it, so. did. Yes, she's, she's got some tapped in. Anyway, love you guys. Right. Bye, John. Thanks. Joey, we'll it's time for a walk. Okay, guys. Uh, that is, of course, Aaron Cummings. Make sure you guys go and visit her on her social media stuff. But for now, let's keep on rolling through your live questions that you guys have sent in. We're going to keep things going here with David Michael, who writes tech question. I'm looking into getting a new still photography camera. Do you have any opinions on the mirrorless versus DSLR cameras? Honestly, no. I, I, I am not. I am not tuned in well enough on the tech specs 
uh, especially for still photography. I will tell you this. I have an older uh, Canon uh, D70 Mark II that I like very much for still photography, but I will also tell you what. The cameras that I use, I have four of them right now. It's called the Sony A6400s, and I'll talk about those a little bit later. I'm going to do a thoughts on walks later today. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but I have four Sony A6400 cameras. You know, uh, this camera is a Sony A6400 camera. This camera is a Sony A6400 camera. The camera pointed to where, you know, uh, where Aaron was sitting a minute ago is a Sony A6400 camera. Uh, I shot my documentary. I shot my movie on these cameras. Uh, and I've used them a little bit for still for photography and I love them. They use the Sony E-mount system. It's an, um, uh, it's just, I have loved it. Especially I got this Sigma 30 millimeter prime lens that I love with an F 1.4. Listen, there are people out there spending five, $6,000 on cameras right now. I am telling you what for 1200 bucks, you can get a Sony a 6400 with a kit lens, like a, a 16 to 50 millimeter kit lens and a prime Sigma 30 millimeter 1.4 lens for about 1200 bucks total. And I love it. Uh, so, and it's mirrorless. So I, again, I'm not the best guy to give. I'm not a photography expert, but I can, can say that I've got some mirror. I, I'm loving the pictures I'm getting out of these A6400s as much as I did on my Canon. So that's my uh, that's my best kind of input on that right now. All right, uh, Wyatt Bender writes. Hey, John, I know you're a fan of the OG Perry Mason show. I used to watch it when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, is there any other crime drama shows you enjoy? My favorites so far have been Blue Bloods with Selleck. I never did watch that one at Donnie Wahlberg. Law and Order. I did used to watch a lot of the reruns of Law and Order. I did. Uh, NYPD Blue and Suits. Um, a lot of crime ones. I don't know that I've, I mean, again, I've watched Law and Order. I think everybody watched Law and Order at one point or another. Uh, I was also a big fan when I was a kid of watching, uh, not, uh, not Perry, I mean, obviously I already watched Perry Mason, but uh, Matlock. I don't know why, John, the show, they, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to like watching Matlock. I don't know why, I just did. Maybe it's because I already liked Perry Mason, like watching the old reruns of Perry Mason. So a show like Matlock came along and I enjoyed doing that one too. So there's that. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a fan. I gotta say, there's there's a show I do not like the Chicago shows that are out like Chicago Fire and stuff like that. But their cop one, the Chicago PD, I really do like that one. That one I'm really quite into. I don't watch their other ones, Chicago Med, Chicago PD. I think there's another one, Chicago something else. But but Chicago PD. I actually really do enjoy. I like watching that one. So, so there's that. Uh, all right. Let's see. Next up, Andrew Boost uh, Bootsma writes. I first submitted this question through John. Could you discuss this article? I, I listen. I, I haven't read an article. Um, I haven't. I can't discuss an article. I don't have time right now to bring it up and read it and then discuss it. So unfortunately, no, I cannot do that. I'm sorry about that. Thank you for your interest in that, but you actually have to tell me what it is you want me to discuss. I can't take time right now and spend five minutes to load up a, an article, unfortunately, read it through and then give thoughts on it. I just don't have time for that. Sorry about that, Andrew. Um, Brit Pop ruled the mid-90s rights. Hey, John. 
What's your opinion of my top five comic book movies of all time? Number five, Into the Spider-Verse, shockingly good. Uh, number four, Man of Steel, effing masterpiece. Number three, Avengers Assemble. Uh, I'm guessing you mean the original Avengers movie. Uh, number two, The Dark Knight. Number one, Superman, the movie. It started it all. Well, I mean, th these are all terrific films. These are all terrific films. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Listen, everybody looked at me funny, but the year that... Black Panther, Spy uh, Avengers Infinity War, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Everybody is shocked when I say the best comic book movie that year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I truly believe that. I'm not downplaying Black Panther. It was fantastic. I'm not downplaying Infinity War. It's amazing. But that's how good, from a filmmaking point of view... From a narrative and story point of view, from a character point of view, from a script and dialogue point of view, that's how good I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is. I actually thought that was the best comic book movie of the year. And I, I hold that today. Again, not downplaying how great Black Panther was or how great Infinity War is. Not at all. It's a commentary on how good I think that movie is. Obviously, you know what I think of Man of Steel. I don't have the original Superman, honestly, in my top 10. I'm not even sure I have it in my top 20, to be honest. Honestly, I don't even think it's the best original Superman movie. I think Superman 2 was probably the best of the original Superman movies, but nevertheless, it is an iconic film, nevertheless. All right, and, and to me, the original Avengers movie, to me, is still the best comic book movie of all time. I think that original first Avengers movie is the best comic book movie of all time to this day. And obviously, that's right up there, of course, with The Dark Knight as well. The Dark Knight is absolutely one of the big masterpieces. Many people find it to be the best comic book movie of all time. So those are all great. Uh, Michael McCann writes, one of two. Good morning, John and Rob. Rob's not here on Thursdays. Uh, and maybe Aaron, who just left. I had myself uh, cryogenically frozen in 2017 and just woke up. Before I check out all the movies I missed, was wondering what you what your thought were on the Flash movie, Ben Affleck's Batman and Star Trek 4, right? Which all must be out by now. Oh, dude, it's so funny. Whenever we talk about... I mean, the one that breaks my heart the most. I mean, especially after... A Star Trek, um, what was Star Trek Beyond, which I think was the best of the J.J. Abrams era produced Star Trek movies. That was the most recent Star Trek movie was Star Trek Beyond. I thought it was the best of the bunch. I thought it's fantastic. I love that movie. I, I think it was terribly marketed, terrible trailers, but I thought the movie was quite good, all that kind of stuff. But the one that really breaks my heart was the Ben Affleck one. You know, I, I love Ben Affleck's interpretation of Batman. I think he is one of the best directors in Hollywood right now. Um, I, he is a lifelong passionate Batman fan to the point that he actually built a bat cave in his home. I, you know, everything I've heard from people who have read his script and full disclosure, I haven't read his script, but from everybody who I've heard has read his script said, it's like probably maybe the best Batman script ever written. The fact that we were going to get Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke in it, I mean, that's the one that that's the one that breaks my heart, Michael. Uh, Prometheus three, Avatar two, and the and the cyborg movie. Oh, and why the hell is everyone wearing masks? Love the show. Keep up the great work and bring on the filthy. Thanks so much for that, Michael, and welcome back to the land of the living, my friend. All right, Aaron McDonough writes. Hey, John, just curious to know, what are some of the recent films to come out this year that you have gotten the chance to watch lately? Uh, also, been watching since the AMC days. Have a great day. I. I 
I, I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest. I hate questions where I got to now think, okay, what did I watch recently? I, I can never remember or pull it off off the top of my head. So I don't know. I know that my favorite movie of the year is still the gentleman. Now I am, I'm really a sucker for the guy Ritchie style of filmmaking. And I flat out loved the gentleman. It is still my favorite film of the year. Now I haven't seen nomad land yet. Um, I love the five bloods as well, but honestly, for me, the best one of the year is still that. I mean, there have been other films that I've liked this year. Obviously, I liked uh, the Charlize Theron old guard movie. I thought that was really fun and good. And but I'm I just I can't remember off the top of my head what did I just watch yesterday versus oh no wait that was eight months ago. I I can't remember off the top of my head. All right, next up, Dan Ketchum writes. Since Carpenter's The Thing is 38 years old, I don't think this could be considered a spoiler question. Anyway, do you think Mac or Childs uh, are The Thing at the end, or neither of them, or both? Don't know if Carpenter has ever said. You know what's funny? Let me bring this up. Um, I believe, I wasn't it just last year? We may have even done a, st a story on this. I think we may have done a story on this. That it was just last year that he came out and said who it was. I think it was just last year. And I can't remember if he said it was Keith David or not. I'm trying to find where that story was. I can't off the top of my head find it. Maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm making something up in my head, but I thought last year he came out and actually said you know, whether it was, you know, Kurt Russell or Keith David, I thought he said it was Keith David, which is the child's character, but I, now I can't find it. Maybe I'm just making that up in my head. I can't, I cannot remember in other news of, of the thing they're taught John Carpenter saying they're probably going to make another one. They're probably gonna do a remake of it with Blumhouse. And Carpenter said he's all on board for that. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But again, if you guys remember that story, I can't remember, but I thought he said it ended up being Keith David, but I cannot remember. Anyway, next up, uh, Guillaume LaBelle writes, Fat Man with Mel Gibson is the Christmas film I never thought I needed in my life. Trailer is so damn bonkers. Also, watch The Princess Bride for the first time the other night. That was your first time? Uh, now I get why it is so beloved from the words of Encini. Inconceivable. I, listen, I don't know where like Princess Bride ranks on like my all-time greatest movies list. I, I don't know where it ranks. I just don't. But I I will say easily, it is one of the most special films of all time. I don't know that I'll sit here and say it's a top 20 greatest movie of all time, but it is a special movie for so many reasons. And I... So I don't know how we differentiate between all oh, what is the difference between a great movie and a special movie. I don't know. I don't care. It's not the discussion I'm having right now. All I'll say is that to me, Princess Bride is absolutely one of the most special movies ever made. You know, so have fun storming the castle. All right. I'm glad you had a chance to watch that. Toy Box Killer writes, hey, John, did you see the trailer for Mel Gibson's new movie, Fat Man? We talked about it off the top of the show. I cannot believe this movie exists. What are your thoughts on the movie? Uh, and is the trailer being a little deceptive, meaning it looks serious, but really it's a comedy? Here's the thing. I got the feeling that it's comedy comes from the fact that it's going to take itself so seriously. It becomes comedy. You know what I mean? But again, I, I gave my thoughts on it earlier in the show. Right now, 
I don't know if this is going to be the worst movie of all time or the greatest movie of all time, but I know that trailer is bonkers and it's totally got my interest. It totally has my interest. All right. Tobex Killer also writes, John, whatever happened to the evil John Campia? I would chat with him uh, in the live chat and I follow him on Twitter. Was that really you? Nope. That was somebody made up a thing like dark John Campia or evil or earth Two John Campia or an evil. John. I, I honestly have no idea who it's probably somebody who is in the chat board right now. They just changed what their moniker name is. Uh, Julius, a good one tips in $20. Thank you, Julius, for supporting the channel on that level. My friend Julius writes, Hope you've been well. I have been well, thank you. I haven't been on in a while, mostly because of my job, which I'm actually losing soon. Dude, that sucks. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, don't feel too bad. To use an analogy, it's like if you had to work for the Jack Hines idiot all the all day, every day at Collider. Drove me nuts. Well, then there is a silver lining. You know what? I'm not. I'm not trying to make light. Uh, like losing a job. There's never. It's never fun. It's never fun. But. How many times have you probably heard stories from your friends about she's lost that job and it was horrible, but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened. And and hopefully that will be the scenario for you, Julius. Uh, hopefully it'll create an environment. You get yourself into a job that maybe you never even thought of before, and it ends up being such a different, more positive experience for you uh, than the other one was. And you'll be thinking, oh my God, I should have quit that job forever ago. I hope that ends up being your experience. I really do. But still, hang tough, man. Hang in there. And I hope good things happen for you, Julius. And thanks for writing in and supporting the channel like that, man. I appreciate that. All right, next up, Ryan Holman writes, Hello, John. Hello, Ryan. I uh, hope you are having a great day. I am having a great day. Thank you. They said they say hindsight is 2020, and I'm so ready for 2020 to be in my hindsight. Absolutely. For the Oscars, do you think they will highlight slash focus on the past of cinema due to the lack of material this year? Well, you know, me and Aaron had this very long debate about that. I simply just don't think they should do an Oscars this year. I don't see the point, right? Now, I don't want to go into it too much because Aaron's not here to defend her position and she made some very valid points. But just my basic tenet is there's just not enough movies this year that are going to get proper release, even with all the changing new rules. And any award that no one's going to care about the Oscars this year and any awards that give out, no one's going to take them seriously moving forward because, yeah, you won an Academy Award, but it was in that year when really there was nothing else, right? Or drastically a smaller batch of competitors. So yeah. So, you know, I, I just think you put those things together. I just think they should skip it all together. So we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, talking has naked lunch rights. I had the joy of introducing my adorable three-year-old nephew to Superman, Reeve Cavill, etc. He loved it. His delight made me feel like a child discovering Superman all over again. Have you had similar joy in introducing a child to any of your fandom? I have not. I have not. Uh, I mean, I had friends of mine when I lived in Saskatchewan and when I lived in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, I had these friends who had kids and their kids were like my own. I, I loved these kids like you will never know. I, I, I love them dearly. And I got to watch movies with them for the first time. But uh, I, I can't really think about times that I introduced them to something that I love. But I will tell you this. One of my favorite experiences is watching something that I already have seen and that I already love with somebody who's never seen it. That is one of my favorite things to do. So like I can watch like Deadpool a million times if I'm watching it with somebody who's never seen it before. 
I can sit down. I've had the great opportunity to sit down and watch Godfather with somebody who's never seen the Godfather before and just love it. I've, I've got the chance to sit down and watch Star Wars with somebody who's never watched Star Wars before. Whatever the movie is, Princess Bride, we were just talking about. That is one of my favorite things ever to do. I love that experience very much. And I, I got to assume it would be even more special with a child, particularly his child who's very special to you. So that's great, man. All right. Ed M. writes, Hey, John, I live in Liverpool, UK, and my walk into town past university is blocked off because apparently the Batman has started filming again. Yes, it has. I saw a big truck with the WB logo plastered on the front. Take care. Uh, that is great. And it's always cool when you can actually be there by the set of a movie you know you're going to watch on the big screen. Interesting uh, point of order here. I actually had somebody send me an internal memo, and I cross-checked this, and it's legit. Somebody sent me the memo that all the crew and the and the cast on the set of Batman, which their working title right now on the thing is just Vengeance, but um, about their protocols that they all have to go through to satisfy they're very, very strict rules they have about dealing with COVID-19 on set, especially since, you know, Robert Pattinson got it. Uh, and it's very interesting. Like It's several pages long and it's really interesting. I, I might share it on tomorrow's show so we can talk a little bit about see the type of extent that these productions are going through to make sure they try to keep their sets as safe as possible for everybody involved, which is kind of cool. Anyway, glad you had that experience, Ed. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Cecil writes, Walton Goggins is phenomenal. He's incredible. Little trivia, Ant-Man and the Wasp wasn't the first time he was in the same project as Michael Pena. They were partners on The Shield. Oh, that's right. Uh, back in the day, go back and watch The Shield is my top 10 because of Walton Goggins. The Shield, there are a few shows that whenever you get into the discussions about what is the greatest television show of all time, there are a few shows that hardcore TV people will often bring up. The one that I hear brought up probably more than any else in, in when I have conversations with these people is uh, The Wire. The Wire is one that always comes up, whether it's number one, number two, or number three. Like whenever I get in these discussions with these like really true, hardcore, deep knowledge television people, The Wire is always one that comes up. But I'll tell you another one that gets mentioned a lot, The Shield. The Shield comes up way more often than I would have expected it to be. Obviously, Michael Chiklis and Stuff like that. But that's a really well, well, well-respected show. Uh, and for good reason. Walton Goggins is amazing. He can do everything. He can do comic book movies. He can do comedy. He can be, do dead serious drama. Hell, in, in Sons of Anarchy, he was, again, I can't remember specifically if he was just in drag or if he actually was playing a transgendered character. I can't remember specifically, but... I mean, he can do it all. This dude's amazing. Uh, anyway, Stubble McShave writes... Forgot about Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Fat Man will be the quintessential Christmas action movie. Let's hope to God. I'm telling you, dude. I just this is this trailer was just bonky, bonkers. It is just absolutely bonkers. And who knows? Maybe this will be the truly definitive Christmas action movie we've all been waiting for. All right. Next up, Captain Blue Pants writes. There's a video essay on YouTube called Taika Waititi Mastering Happy Sad Cinema, which taps into some of the things that you said earlier. If anybody watching wants to watch and understand a bit more, that sounds fantastic. I, I would look into that because, yeah, that's exactly what it was we were speaking about for his ability to deal with 
heavy, serious material while bringing levity and laughter to it without diminishing the heavy, serious material or downplaying that is incredible. Like seriously, Jojo Rabbit is a masterclass in that. It's just one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. Thank you for putting that on our radar, Captain Blue Pants. All right, BMC writes, I just realized that three of my most anticipated comic book movies are coming out within six weeks of each other. Thor, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, The Batman, and Doctor Strange 2. Should any of these movies move? And if not, can all three be financially successful? Can they be financially successful? Yes, they can. It will not stay this way. Uh, you're, we're not going to see Thor, Love and Thunder, the Batman and Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness all come out within, within six weeks. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, to, in today's environment where every movie is being shifted five or six times, it's not just Thor, Batman and Doctor Strange. It's like any movie right now that's, that's out there and has a release date. I give it a 50-50 chance of any movie keeping their release date right now. Because not only do you have all these movies moving away from the pandemic, but now you've got movies that were already scheduled way later moving because where they are is getting overcrowded with all of these scheduling refugees from 2020 coming and taking up all the space. Now it's overcrowded, so they're moving out, right? I'm telling you that they may not say it officially. I'm telling you that's why Dune, uh, uh, not Dune. Uh, uh, what was it that just got moved? Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. That's why Jurassic World Dominion just moved from from summer of 2021 to summer of 2022. It's not because they're worried about COVID-19. It's because all these scheduling refugees from 2020 are moving into 2021 and is creating a much more crowded landscape. And so they decided. So I'm just telling you, every movie out there. I think has a 50-50 chance of having their release dates moved. So I definitely think at least minimum one of those will as well. All right, guys. Last question of the day before we got to wrap things up here. It uh, comes to us from Darth Rutsky, who writes, Hey, John and Aaron. Aaron's not here right now. Watch Good Time uh, last night with Robert Pattinson. Fabulous, fabulous performance by Robert Pattinson in that. Uh, and loved it. Gave me the kids vibe. Uh, Robert Pattinson was great. Got me very excited for Batman. Do you think it is likely that this is the same world as Joker? What's your over under? Zero. Absolute 1000% zero. You know me. I'm like, never say never. So I'll give it a 1% or 2% chance, but as far as this one goes, zero. Zip, zilch, nada, nothing. There is no connection. Other than the fact that it's all in this DC multiverse, other than that ridiculousness, zero chance it's connected in any way, shape, or form. Uh, that's actually kind of been confirmed by a couple people connected to the film already. So absolute zero chance, zero chance. So, no, and I'm glad it's not, because that would be dumb. That would be really stupid for them to do. So, absolutely, nope, not happening, no way. All right, guys, listen, For there are still a few questions left here from Colby, um, Stephen Johnston, uh, Pedro Milano, and a couple of others. Do not worry, guys. When we get to the live questions part of the show tomorrow, we will start with yours. You sent them in. 
We will get your questions answered. Thank you for sending them in. We don't have time for them right now, but we will get to them tomorrow. Keep your eyes open for that. All right, guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, guys, if you haven't done so already, take a second and click on that subscribe button. Become a subscriber to the YouTube channel. Stay up to date on all the things that we've got going on around here. Also, don't forget to make sure you go and follow Erin Cummings on her social media. She will, of course, be back again on Thursday. And thank you to you guys for making this show a part of your day. You guys can be doing a lot of different things. The fact that you chose to spend some of your day here with us today is pretty awesome. Also, guys, please don't forget, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.